Welcome back to Divorced and Done. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. We're divorce lawyers focused on bringing you the six divorced and done steps to navigate your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. Everything we discuss in this podcast is for informational purposes, but it is not legal advice or legal opinion of any kind. Darren Schmidt on this Wednesday morning. How are you doing? We're back, baby. We're back. Took a little break. You had some dental work. You look uh, You look good. You, you remind me, like when I saw your grill, you reminded me of the Island Boys. You know who they are from TikTok? Uh, I don't. So everyone knows. Yeah, last time we were here, we were talking about my tooth problem. The tooth actually got extracted. You, God willing, you cannot see the missing tooth gap in my face. Maybe you can. Please tell me who are the Island Boys from TikTok and why do I remind you of them? You're the furthest image one could ever imagine from the Island Boys. I'm going to put that out there. So you don't actually look like the Island Boys. Okay. They became famous through this video of them sitting in a hot tub where they live in Florida and they're just doing this acapella rap. And they're two young guys. They're, They're twins. And their hair is sort of unique and strung up and... I can't quite describe it, but they have tattoos all over their body, including their face and the diamond studded grills. And so they've, they've rose to fame recently through this video and now they, they're doing other rap videos, but they do, they do lives quite a bit on uh, TikTok. So I just, I popped in to see what are these guys all about? They're actually really, really nice guys. So they're just having nice chats with their fans and like wishing them well. They're not being extreme or crazy. And uh, I just thought I'd give you a hard time about your grill because of the dental Great. Work. So yeah, I, I have a tooth removed and all of a sudden I'm Mike Tyson. Fantastic. Like this, no, this is these great. Guys, these guys are a little bit more extreme looking than than Mike Tyson even. Like they, they, they are definitely eye catching, but the takeaway is very friendly. So looks can be deceiving. And if anyone sees you in your shiny grill, they might think, oh, Rob's pretty intimidating. Oh, this, this guy is pretty fancy. But uh, no, of course, the nicest guy out there. Well, that's good. Of course, my teeth are no different, again, other than a gap now in my smile from a back molar being removed. But thank you. I will, uh, when I'm on TikTok next, we'll keep my eyes peeled for the island island boys. boys, They're just trying to make it. Wow. Uh, That's a musical reference. And we're also excited to announce, even though we always push everyone to send us questions at the beginning of every podcast, you can now send us audio questions. We have a voicemail oh, box. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. Yeah. You can go to uh, a website, speakpipe.com slash divorced and done, A-N-D done. The link should be in our show notes. It's also embedded into the description of our podcast, wherever you get the podcast. So you should just be able to click a link and the link will take you to a website where you can record a message and it can all be done anonymously. So you don't have to even leave your name an email, a phone number, anything, but you can record a message up to 90 seconds. It's delivered to us, to our email, and then we review it. And then maybe we'll play it on the Divorced and Done podcast. So uh, we actually got one recently and we're going to address that question this week, but we would encourage you if you have a question to send it to us through the SpeakPipe function, because it's a, a way of engaging with you, maybe on a little bit more of a personal level than we have done previously. Typically, of course, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I read the questions, toss it to you for an answer. We bat it around a little bit, move on to question two. So if you're tired of hearing my voice read your questions, then you can just 
read the question to us, send us the voicemail. We would love to hear from you. And with that, without further ado, let's roll to that first question because it is a audio question and I will hit play now. Hi, Darren. My name's Corey. And my question is, um, being a uh, shift worker, uh, month by month schedule, do I have to provide the days that I can take the children along with my work schedule or just the days that I can, uh, manage the kids, um, my ex-spouse is requesting that I provide work schedule and the days I can take children, basically uh, wanting to know my whereabouts 24-7. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Oh, cool. There we go. First question from uh, listener Corey. I know normally I answer these first, but Darren, speak pipe was your idea. So I'm going to bounce this to you first. What do you think? Thanks, Corey, for the question and for listening. I think the crux of the question is... Does my ex need to know what I'm doing at all waking hours? Uh, probably not. Is it a broader good idea here to have a fixed parenting schedule in place? I think so. It sounds like you're trying to jostle and negotiate parenting time on an ad hoc basis, given your parenting schedule as a shift worker. And we're not certain where you work or, or if you have a fixed shift schedule or if you're on call and there's some uncertainty to that. But even in those cases, we can typically try and fix a parenting schedule based on advance notice to the other parent when you think your current shift schedule is going to end. And then you can have a set number of parenting days during your anticipated time off. So I'd say that the answer to your question is no, you don't need to provide your uh, availability for parenting time so that the other parent can probably read into, well, they're off X number of days, but they're only saying they're available for parenting on other days maybe they shouldn't get any parenting time if I'm reading into that at all. So I think what you should do is try and fix a parenting schedule so that there's certainty for you, your ex, and your kids so that everyone can look forward to that and you can maximize your parenting time. If you can't come to that fixed schedule, even in sort of an email exchange or some informal writing between the two of you, you're probably heading towards some sort of more intensive court litigation uh, on that issue. And that's a step two issue, figuring out parenting for minor children. So hopefully it doesn't go to that litigation step. But uh, Rob, what do you think? I completely agree with everything you've said. Uh, for the listener, the only thing that I'd suggest somewhat differently, if he's in the position that he's looking to maximize parenting time, perhaps seeking shared parenting time, or even wanting to be a primary parent, and there's a radical departure from what they've done in the past, I'd suggest share your work schedule because maybe you do want to fill every time you're not at work with your children saying, look, I'm not doing anything else. I'm totally devoted. Number one is my kids. I don't need any time off. My children are my sole focus. Share the work schedule. But as it sounds like in uh, the question from Corey, he doesn't want his ex to know every aspect of his life when he's working, when he's not working. So I would completely agree. Try and find a set parenting schedule. You don't need to share that parenting schedule. There's no reason. And hopefully you can work those things out between yourselves and come to reasonable agreement, even via email, as you say, Darren. So there's something in writing outside of court and make that parenting schedule work for both of you. Thanks for the question. Keep sending in the speak pipe voice messages. We would love to hear from you and hear your voice. Let's go on to our second question this week, sent in by email. It's a follow-up question from a listener that had asked us a question some weeks ago, and so we'll address that. Listener says, I recently found out from my children, seven and five, 
uh, two children age seven and five, that during their parenting time with their dad, he's either sleeping or working and the children are left unattended. Uh, they state to me that they often eat alone, watch TV, play with a dog, and just sort of have to entertain themselves and look after themselves while they're with uh, their dad at his house. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. They, they say they're afraid to bring up their concerns with their father due to fear of getting in trouble. I'm concerned for their safety, but fear that because we're going towards a trial and we have no agreements uh, about child support or parenting time, that I'll be looked at as a parent making bad accusations when this does go to trial. I have a video of my children expressing their concerns that I did take without their knowledge, but once again, I fear that I will be used or accused of coercion. I feel helpless. Anything I do feels like it would bite me in the end. Please let me know what you think. All right, Rob. So a couple kids here, seven and five, they're going to dad's house. They're telling mom that when they're with dad, they're kind of left unattended. And at minimum, they're afraid to raise this with dad. Mom has video recordings of the children telling her this. We don't know the circumstances of the video recording other than it was taken without the kids knowing about it. And this listener is going to a trial at some point. What do you think? Knowing this question, this listener is on the path to trial. I'd say number one, before we even address the substance of this question, and you've addressed this so good previously on TikTok and in your social media, no surreptitious secret recordings. Our courts in Canada have almost universally said in the family realm, uh, we don't want to hear about secret recordings. Uh, we get asked this question all the time. Should I record this? Should I have my phone on? No. Uh, everyone will have their opportunity to raise their evidence at trial. As we've talked about previously, for children, if you want to bring your children's voice into the process, and because this person's going to trial, there may have even been a voice of the children report completed or children's counsel assigned that really talks to your kids and say, hey, what do you want to see happen here? Yes, your children are young at seven and five, but there is a broad obligation on the court to consider voices of the children in the litigation. You're a litigant. It's not your job to bring the children's voice into the process through secret recordings. That's the first piece. Second piece, a listener says she's concerned that the children are alone. Her ex is either sleeping or just not an engaged parent. I would break that out into two pieces. If dad's at home and the children are safe and well-tended, I'm less concerned if he's sleeping during the day. I'm more concerned if he's sleeping somewhere else and he's left a seven and a five-year-old at home alone. Uh, without adequate supervision, because that's not appropriate. And if that's going on, I may even bring that forward to the court as an urgent parenting application before trial to have that piece addressed. But if your ex is just sort of there and maybe not that engaged with the children, even though they're adequately supervised and adequately cared for, even though it's not necessarily the bar that you would want or the standard that occurs at your home, you can have that out at trial but really, as we've talked about in step two parenting matters, different things can happen at different parents' homes, and there doesn't need to be absolute consistency between both homes. So if dad's totally unengaged the whole weekend that the children are there, I'm probably concerned. But if he's sleeping for some of the time or doing other things to accommodate a different work schedule, but still engaging the kids some of the time, and they're consistently safe and maybe babysat, I'm less concerned. Uh, and that really depends on what you want to do on the way to trial, depending on how close you are to trial. If that trial is still a year away, maybe you need to do something to change that parenting order in the interim. If your children are sincerely unsafe, 
Otherwise, even though you have a trial book, continue to work the divorced and done steps. And with the assistance of your lawyer, try and work out as many issues as you can before trial so that you have fewer things you're fighting about uh, rather than more when you get to that trial. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is just be careful how much weight we give what a seven and five-year-old is saying about their experience at the other parent's house. Right. I agree with everything you said, Rob, but the only additional thing is seven and five-year-olds can interpret situations much differently than what is actually happening. So the children are of such an age where that's a question, right? If they were 12 and 15, that's a different story, but we're talking about a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. So whether what they're saying is actually happening or not, and I'm not saying your, your children are not capable of understanding what's happening around them, but almost every seven and five-year-old out there is going to, I don't know, they're going to have different interpretations of what's happening around them. And it might not actually be the case that dad is sleeping or leaving the house or truly leaving them unattended and in a dangerous circumstance. So that's one thing to keep in mind is maybe take what they're saying with some grain of salt, but if there's truly urgency to what they're saying, and they actually are expressing like, we feel scared about this, take a more immediate measure on this, as you've suggested, Rob, maybe bring that back in front of the court, maybe ask for some expert to be appointed to help interview the kids so that the reality can be ascertained in an appropriate way rather than secret audio recordings. What I mean by that is an expert witness is appointed uh, like a psychologist or a counselor, and and, and they're going to meet with the kids. And over time, they're going to give some sort of opinion. Here's what they're telling me. And here's what I think is actually happening. That's probably, if you're actually concerned, the best way to address it. But if you're going to trial, uh, take the advice of your lawyer, presuming you're, you have a lawyer, and continue to work through the divorced and done steps. And thank you very much for the question. We really appreciate it. Let's move on to question three. Let's. This will be our uh, last question this week. <clears throat> and the listener says, hey, guys, just discovered your podcast. It's really insightful. Well, we're very thankful that you think it's insightful. We try. Uh, I noticed you also take questions. We do. That's the... Uh, crux of our podcast. We do a ton of those. So thanks for sending your question in. The listener says, I'm in Alberta. My question is sort of multifactorial and it's regarding my blended family. My common law spouse has a child in the foster system and is currently sorting through criminal cases, trying to put his life together. While the Alberta family court system has not necessarily withheld my partner's rights, they have requested he finish sorting through his criminal cases before they proceed with physical visitation. So he has no contact with his biological child right now. Both he and his ex-partner do not have custody. Uh, Their four-year-old son here is in the foster care system, but the mother does have some physical supervised visitation. I do not claim to understand the last relationship my partner had with his ex. It is not my place to say Uh, what is ruled fair or unfair within the family court system. I understand my role as a new partner is to facilitate and encourage reunification in a healthy way and not get in between all of this and the emotional baggage that my ex and his, uh, that my current partner and his ex may carry towards each other. I am also currently 33 weeks pregnant with my current partner's second child, uh, my child, my first child, which will be a girl. So congratulations on that. That's exciting. My question is this, I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to facilitate a union of siblings on my end, 
or would that be sort of out of my jurisdiction, so to speak? I do not want to overwhelm, overstep, or undermine any sort of relationship the two parents and the foster family system have with my daughter's older brother, but I would love for them to eventually become aware of each other. Mainly, what I'm wondering, what can I do here as an outsider of sorts from my standpoint? Thanks for reading my email and taking time to potentially answer my question. So we won't potentially answer it. We will answer it. Rob, uh, kind of lots going on here. What do you think? There is, but the best thing this listener's done is she's really answered her own question. She says, I do not want to overwhelm, overstep, or undermine any sort of relationship between the two parents, her significant other and his former partner, and the foster family uh, with this boy that they've taken on. As the listener notes, uh, dad has his own issues that he's working through in the criminal system and has no parenting time of this child. Uh, or excuse me, said no contact time of this child at all or no physical contact. So it may have, may have phone or FaceTime yeah. visits. Do we know? Don't, we don't know. Don't, don't, we don't know definitively, but he's not physically seeing his son. Let's assume right. he's getting some phone access or something. And mom here has supervised visitation of this child. So it's obviously something serious has happened in the past and likely child protective services has been involved. Uh, I don't want to make this listener feel bad about asking this question, but it is an exceptional circumstance where both biological parents are no longer directly involved as a primary parent with a child, and they're still sort of tied to that child having some visitation. That is exceptional. And I think the best thing this listener can do, even though I totally understand her desire for her forthcoming daughter to have a relationship with her half-brother, uh, dad needs to be the primary point of contact for that to happen because it's his son. And his relationship, dad's relationship with his son, likely needs to move forward first. And although we don't know whether dad will have a relationship with that biological son again, as the listener states, he's made efforts at making that happen through family court. And the court has really said, work through your criminal pieces before, before that visitation increases. Let dad be the gate through which your daughter is introduced to um, your potential stepson or dad's biological son, instead of pushing that piece on your own and allow those pieces to work out organically. I'd suggest if dad or your partner is unable to resolve his matters through criminal court or things turn out differently. He's not able to increase parenting time with his son after perhaps a period of a year to maybe two years, depending on when those criminal matters are resolved. Maybe there's a different path forward. But at this point in time, as the listener said, does not want to overwhelm, overstep, or undermine anyone else involved in this relationship, understanding she's not bio mom of that child, to allow that piece to operate organically, allow dad to work through his criminal pieces, and allow him to focus on being the best dad he can be to his son before trying to introduce that biological son with foster parents to other extended family members. I think the best thing here is that there's going to be some time, right? So you're going to have your your child, your girl, and then like the first six months of your life are going to be consumed with raising your girl, 
right? It's, you're, you're probably not being a parent to a newborn. Yeah, you're yeah. probably not going to be in a position of saying, well, it, it's a top priority to have your stepson meet your daughter, right? You're going to be focused on your daughter's crying all through the night and what's going on here, where are the diapers and all that fun stuff, right? Probably. Um, but after a period of time goes by, you know, it will cross your mind uh, more significantly that, look, these two should see each other. And at that point, like you say, Rob, maybe uh, your partner's parenting matter through the family court and criminal court system has stabilized and the court's saying, yeah, it's appropriate for dad to get some actual parenting time, be it supervised or unsupervised with his son. And at that point, the introduction could occur, right? That that would be probably the best outcome possible. One thing that weighs in dad's favor here in terms of varying uh, any existing parenting arrangement or the order, I guess, the order that says he will not have in-person parenting time is, hey, I, I have a new child, right? That's a, that's a, perhaps a material change uh, from when the existing order was made to say, well, I have another child and it would be in my son's best interest to have some relationship with my other now daughter, a new child. So um, that's if dad's able to maneuver that on his own. Okay. Worst case scenario, what Rob was describing was if that all doesn't pan out and you still want to have your daughter have a relationship with your partner's son, you could, as a, I guess, a last case or worst case scenario, bring a contact time application, which seems inconsistent from what you've said right now, which is you don't want to disturb anything. Uh, you want to let things play out. So that's not your current desire right now. So let's bring a contact time application. Contact time applications are where non-guardians can bring an application to the court to say, I'm an interested party in how uh, I should see this child, right? Typically they're brought by grandparents after a separation saying, I now no longer have access to the child because my own relationship with my biological child has collapsed and I have no access to my grandchildren. I want a contact time order. Maybe, maybe way, way down the line, like a year or two from now, if things have totally gone south, that's something that maybe crosses your mind, but that's not your immediate step right now. I think you just let Number one, be a mom, enjoy being a mom, enjoy that process. Um, and that's your priority. And then six months, a year from now, let's hope your partner's criminal and family matters have smoothed over and he's getting some parenting time and all is solved. That's what I'd say. Any follow-up to that, Rob? No, and you're exactly right on that contact application. That is something that should not be top of mind. Top of mind for both of these parents is being the best parent they can to their forthcoming daughter. Uh, And for dad to continue to rebuild his relationship with his son before thinking about reunification or worst case scenario, probably a year to two years, maybe, before that contact application comes. Great question. And thanks to everyone for sending them along. Keep sending your, your voice messages to us. We would love to hear your voice. Again, you don't have to say your name in the question. Um, and so, so you can keep uh, your, your identity from being broadcast. That's fine. Or you can say your name. You can really say whatever you want. You could, you could leave us a message and say, hey, you guys stink. We may not play that. Uh, but uh, Or you could say, hey, I love you guys. Here's a question, right? We'd love that too. So, so send those into us and keep sending the questions into our email. We love that. 
Well, thank you all so very much. Speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. Darren Schmidt, thank you for being with me. I'm Rob Woodward. This has been Divorced and Done. We look forward to being with you again.